You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. What up? Hey, hey, that was one misleading photo I just saw. It of Andy was... being taller? Yeah. I mean, what's with that? What's up, little buddy? <laughs> where's your head? Boop, boop, boop. Where's, where's your stilts? Would you pay Nick I to do that? I barely got caught wearing my high heels. Yeah, exactly. Was that in no. Vegas? How, yeah. How tall are you? 6'2". Or I was. I don't know well, what that I makes, That makes me look like 5'10 on that photo. Yeah, gravity gravity kind of kicks your butt after a couple years, you know. 6'2 six, six in every program I've been in. Just saying. Yeah. Let's start this bad boy off. Is inventory rising? If so, why? And do you guys expect it to go higher? Andrew, we're kind of, uh, I think, the boots on the ground for people. You know, you typically wait for stats and stuff to come out, but I definitely feel uh, inventory is rising, or maybe it's just lasting a little longer, um, just because we've had uh, some, some opportunities that, you know, in the past we wouldn't have had. I just uh, secured a, a townhome that was under $300,000, and I was able to get it after five days on the market. And going in supposedly there was one other offer but uh didn't have to go too crazy over to be able to get it that's that was unusual mm -hmm. yeah i'm uh, i'm seeing uh some of the properties that are listing where people are just asking like stupid high numbers and where they're not selling so it is i think the market the, the people that were in desperate situations where they had to pay more to get it or if it's not an exceptional property you got to be you know conscious of what you're doing because I'll tell you what, you know, not every property is the hot property that gets 50000 more for, you know, than over list. It, some properties, you price them at a fair price. I always tell this to people. If you price them fair, the market will dictate what the house is worth. You know, so if we if we even go in a couple thousand under what it's worth, people fight over the properties. If you go <laughs> 10000 over what the property is worth, the property sits there and people use you as an example of what's overpriced to help sell other properties. I, as an agent, do it all the time. I'll say you know, we just looked at those three properties. Which one's the ripoff? That one down on Main Street. And you're like, yep. So being the case, the other two are going to sell first. So which one do you want to go after? Right? Yeah. And well, so that's kind of the, I see. Yeah. The other thing too, Andy, is that uh, I was at a, uh, a market analysis and, you know, initial meeting, we get called to go over to somebody's house and then, uh, you know, we talk about what our services are, and then we typically walk through the house and kind of go through it. And uh, the comment um, from the seller was, hey, I've heard you don't really even have to do anything in this market. It'll sell anyways. And I said, that's true. Every house does sell, but how much do you want it to sell for? If you want to maximize it, you know, you have to do the stuff, you know, because what you want to do is you want to create... You want to create an emotional buy and you want them to, you want to solve uh, issues for them. So if they think there's maintenance involved and usually it never just means, you know, that trim around the garage door or that broken uh, deck board, it becomes more. Now it becomes uh, the joists on the deck must be bad. 
you know, because that's rotten out. The next thing's going to be rotten out. And I'm sure those garage doors are going to fall down now. So if they would have painted it, they wouldn't have even thought that way. So not doing the, that kind of stuff just gets people's minds wandering. And then they do exactly what Andy does. They move to the next one. You know, people don't look at just one house, you know, in some of these markets, that's all that's available. But um, you still have to do the stuff. And if you do the stuff, it pays off. That's 100% true. And I, I tell you what, the uh, as you know, I, I think we've got uh, quite a few again this week coming on the market. Um, the the strategies are, are changing a little bit. Now, I don't want to set panic or fear across, you know, the bow of the uh, the potential sellers that are out there. But I do want you to pay attention to what's happening in your micro market because no one's Andy, no one's listening anyway. So don't worry about it. Go ahead and say it. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, uh, no, you just got to be honest with yourself because I think that the uh, you know last year your house was worth let's say two fifty and right now we're asking three twenty five. But on the other hand, you list that two ninety nine, you might end up at three fifty. But if you list that two twenty or three twenty nine, a lot of times what happens is the people. Um, come in there and they're like, ah, this is a hundred grand higher than it was last year or 80 grand higher. And it people are are feeling ripped off, I think, a lot of cases where the market jumped up 10%, I think, already. Uh, you know, so you get to a point of where that cannot sustain. Now, what, what I would, would end with is this. I don't think the market is completely flipping on its head either. I think that what's going to happen is my old analogy of driving through, you know, North Dakota going 80 miles an hour because that's the speed limit. Get Minnesota, you drop a 65, and it feels like you're walking. I do think that you're going to start seeing with more inventory coming, you're not going to see houses selling and multiple offers all in the same day. Some will, of course, because they're exceptional properties. They're the fancy or the most beautiful lake lot, or they're the, the pristine house on, on the drive or whatever it is. But a normal everyday house, you got to be smart, you have to be strategic, and you have to be intentional with your marketing. Like, who is your key audience you're trying to market to, and what do they like to read when they're reading that ad? So, like for an example, I got a couple of them that are fixer upper specials coming where the people didn't want to, you know, fix anything up. And I go, there are so many people that are handy that would like to get a break on the price so they can come in and do it the way they want to do it. You know, and writing those ads in such a way that people feel like, hey, you know, the house is livable, it's great condition, but um, it just needs to be, it's 1950s, 1960s, needs to be updated, you know. So anyway, I do see more inventory coming. I I, I do. And um I am seeing things not sell multiple offers in the first day. It's it's kind of interesting too, Andy. I when I always tell people, you know, like, hey, what's this worth? You know, we're well. I shouldn't even say that. Uh, pre two thousand eight, we were able to say, you know what? If you don't sell this fall, uh, we'll, in the spring, we'll probably be able to get this much. And now I say, this is the price today. This is what I think we can do and get today. And here's where I think we'd list it, and we'd probably fall in this range depending on the excitement that we create to get you that price, but it's today. It's not next week, it's not next month, it's today because these markets switch and change. And it's kind of like the, I mean, if the kid goes and uh, plays basketball, um, you know, against Shaquille O'Neal every day and gets constantly gets beat, the kid's gonna eventually quit. And I think that's what some of the built or buyers did is just that, you know, they just kept getting beat up and beat up and beat up. And they just said, you know, I, I quit for a little while. And uh, they're looking forward to that day where they can come in and, um, you know, actually just try to get a fair deal. And I think well, people are really happy when they do get just a fair deal. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. And I think that, you know, some of the other thing is the, um, the, uh, the, the bitter taste of new construction right now with the, we can't lock in your pricing. 
Um, you know, they're, I mean, everybody wants new, but it, it's really a weird market right now where a lot of these builders are so nervous. They don't want to lock in on their pricing. They're, they're saying, well, here's what your allowance is for your plumbing. Here's your, you know, your, your framing allowance. Here's your, and people are used to seeing that or hearing that. They're used to saying, yep, it's 650 and see at closing, you know, pick out the colors. And, and nowadays it's like, well, here's your allowances. And most builders are riding, um, that I'm seeing anyway, firsthand. Most builders are riding the pricing and allowing it to fluctuate until permit. And so that means that all the subcontractors will lock in their prices, the suppliers will lock in, and uh, and then they can. And, and so that's not sexy. So you're seeing new construction slow down. I'm seeing it happen all around me where people are like, I'm not doing business like this. And they're taking their ball and they're going home. So the builders are going to learn real fast what a slow market's going to look like if they don't figure it out. This is the reason why I chose this background that in the April showers bring May flowers. It seems like happiness is coming around, new beginnings, and, and things are going to be okay. I thought you had a girlfriend <laughs> over in Japan or something. <laughs> Probably does. Yeah. <laughs> I, let's, I just want to hear your guys' comments on this before we move to the, the next segment. Hey, this is Andy Prasky coming from my office in Champlin, Minnesota. Not only am I a resident and big fan of Champlin, but I'm also your local realtor. I just got a text from another person moving into Champlin right now. What timing? Just kidding. Anyway, hey, thinking about moving to Champlin, give me a call. I'll take you around town. I'll show you all the great amenities, wonderful restaurants, great shopping, park systems, um, just a great place to raise a family uh, close to downtown Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, hey, I love it here. That's why we live here. Give me a call. I'd love to help you either buy, sell, <laughs> oh my god that was one of my funny i made a funny video i thought that was supposed to be funny and it obviously didn't stick as uh and that was about what 10 years ago that was six years where ago did six you years find ago that and please send it to me i don't know where you found it but you're a wizard because you can find stuff that i don't even know still existed oh, oh that my. was funny though i kept trying it that was back when video was kind of new and i was trying to record this video and I'm doing it in my office and my phone kept ringing. And I'm like, so it's like, I made it funny. I was trying to make it funny. You, uh, you, you've definitely improved your game. I'm just saying. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Good. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm real nervous. What's coming at me? You know, that's <laughs> gonna. You know, it's my turn. If you find some of that old stuff on me, that's uh, not gonna be good. But uh, my rant is about personal property in a purchase agreement. And uh, I guess my my thing is is that you know, are we selling a house or are we selling furniture? And it's a it's a big problem. And personal property begin been has been uh, deal killers many many times. Because people start getting, it, it becomes well, it becomes personal. You know, I want your, I want your couch, and I want this, or, you know what, I want that crap out of here. It's horrible. You know, it's like what you don't like my house. So my my thing is, it's just keeping personal property out of the equation. Uh, for the most part, most times we always go in with our offer, not asking for any of that stuff. So maybe sometimes it gets negotiated at the end. But there's so many uh, issues with that personal property because what happens at the end if it's not in in perfect shape, you know, and people are looking at it and all of a sudden that couch they didn't see there was a 
uh, a table, a, a sofa table that was in back of it, and there's kind of a rip on it. You know, so now where do those warranties come in? If it falls apart after the first day, a hot tub. If it's it's if it's not good, you know, is is that could be a problem coming back at you later. So I think uh, you just keep personal property out of it and go buy it, and uh, or and or you guys deal with it uh, after everything's negotiated and done. I tell you what, Chris, I, I kind of, not to jump on your rant, but I'll tell you what, I, I've sat there and this was, I've told you this story, but maybe the people listening haven't heard it before, but I had a, a, one of my first sales I ever did was up in Rogers, Minnesota. And we had the sale um, and they had a couch that they put in the basement before they finished the basement. And so they, as they finished the basement, now the couch, they could physically not get it out of the basement. So the homeowner's like, well, I'm going to have to chainsaw this thing apart to get it out of here. And, and he said, well, why don't we try to see if the buyers will buy it? So we put it on there and said, hey, you know, this leather couch, $200. And the buyers came in and go, hey, that's a nice couch for 200 bucks. Yeah, we'll take it. At closing, we sat there. And I, I couldn't remember how the conversation started, but we were ready to exchange the personal property check because they, they agreed to pay the $200 and nobody was looking. You know, everybody's kind of doing the old. Uh, what's going on? And and the gal goes, well, you know, she goes, that couch is so heavy. And being that it's a pleather couch anyway, she goes, I don't even understand why we kept it. <laughs> and the buyer goes, well, pleather? I thought it was leather. You guys said it was a leather couch. And we got in a fight and we had to leave the room. And over $200 couch, um, the buyer says, you know what? You come and get your blankety blank couch out of this house or we're not closing. Guess what dad had to do? So dad goes over to the house, busts this thing apart, and we're all sitting there at the closing until it was out of there. Chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. That, or, or just keep people not talking, right? I mean, if, if people just zip their mouths and just. Well, I think the, the whole COVID closing thing might be the best thing that's ever happened to the real estate industry, where it's yeah. getting people to sign on their own and not sitting down with, you know, your really your nemesis on the other side that you've been you know, going against the whole time to try to get your the best deal. Now all of a sudden you're supposed to be great friends and they maybe had this illusion of you that, oh, look at this beautiful family that's moving in here and you're a jerk. And then everything that they thought they sold to is, you know, is faded away and anything you say is a problem. And now all of a sudden it becomes emotional and then get them out of here and I don't want to sell to them. And oh my gosh, I we, we've seen it all and it, it's that's real. I mean, that's real stuff that happens. That that whole couch thing, um, you know, maybe not all the details, but uh, talking at the closing and just saying things that are like, what? It doesn't doesn't turn out well. Yeah, awkward conversations, especially if they're different cultures sometimes or, you know, different language speaking, you know, and, and all of a sudden something gets said and you're like, it has nothing to do with real estate. Keep your mouth where it belongs and zip it and let's sign everything. Let these nice people move in your house, get it signed, get it gone. And I mean, I, I just, you know, it, it's funny how you don't think that stuff exists in today's world and it does. And people just are, I hate to say it, just are foolish, but they're foolish. They like, keep your mouth shut till the deal is done. Yeah. You know? but, what are what are some good tips for agents or people in the industry to mediate these relationships? First of all, solve the problems before the problems ever happen. I think that's the first thing that a lot of agents don't do. And I think that's where we are, I think, very fortunate that we go over all of this stuff ahead of time. You know, so if so, it's hopefully not a problem. Uh, 
later on. But um, mediating is, uh, Andy said it, just stay out of it. You know, let the let the agent take care of it. But then again, agents, you you have to remember that you're speaking for your client. It's not about you and what you want, but you're speaking for your client. And if you're going to be an idiot, that means your client's an idiot. And that means my client is going to know your client's an idiot because you're an idiot. So don't remember that because I tell you, we, we deal, I see it all the time. And it's just kind of like, it's really sad to even to watch, you know, any type of adversity. It's just whack. You know, they, they change, change tunes. True. You're muted, Nick. Let's look at some 2021 trends that are, are going and some that are coming. We'll start with the ones that are, are leaving. Gray kitchen interiors. Is that coming or going? Going. That says it says it's going. Okay. I see um, a lot of people building new houses that use gray. Yeah. Do it's not painted it? though. It's not painted. It's stained, you know, where it's stained gray. Oh. So you can still see wood grain through it, so it looks nice. Yeah. I, I see not as not as dark as gray. Um, it's it's kind of lesser gray, and then it's almost sometimes two toned, um, where you kind of get some of it. And maybe it's just the island, or maybe it's the uppers, or maybe it's the lowers uh, that they do. But uh, I think it's. Um, I mean, it may become less popular. I'm sure it will. Everything kind of flips and flops. Yeah. Maybe you guys are just in the Midwest. You're not up with the the coastal trends. That's These true. Trendsetters. Uh, Thank God. <laughs> Good point. This is that that uh, 1950s, 60s uh, contemporary furniture, I believe. Um, was that ever in? <laughs> oh, that's we're not on the coast, but um, now I mean, obviously, it's for the the right style of uh, home that you have. I think that's an interesting thing where you are totally contradicting yourself sometimes on the style of the home with what type of furniture that you have. I think that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's something that we deal with when it comes to, you know, positioning a home or staging a home for sale is trying not to use that. And I've seen like stagers bring in, you know, that modern type furniture in a craftsman style home. And it's like, what? That doesn't, that just doesn't quite work. Yeah. What? Nick, what did you should have played that video? He's really quiet. <laughs> I uh, I I'm trying. I'm reeling from where. What kind of damage you two just did to me? <laughs> hey, how about barn like... doors? Bolt my bed. Barn doors. Like barn them. doors are going. What do you think, Andy? Well, you know, it is it is a um, a fun accent in a house. You know, when you have the appropriate wall space to do it, um, <clears throat> and it depends on how you do. See, to me, uh, a barn door, if you truly want it to look like a barn and you do the distressed wood and it creates a different vibe in the house, it's kind of fun down in the basement bar or something like that where you'd use even the, the repurposed lumber behind the bar or even on the front of the bar for that matter. Um, but like rooms like this, I think it can be fun, but they're surprisingly not private because um, they, they hang out from the door inch, inch and a half at least. And so, you know, like even when we have them on offices, I have, uh, they'll shut the, the doors and people that I've built houses for say their kids still stick their hand in there and like wave at their parents while they're on a conference call. 
you know, so a lot of my parents that have built houses with us and have done them to, for the look, um, regret it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right though. The, the look is more than the efficiency of that door, uh, because there's not a lot of privacy, but I saw one, um, actually sold the house in, uh, Maple Grove and you know, Andy under, when you come down the stairs and then the other part of the, it's a switchback staircase. So there's a storage area so you can go under the stairs. They actually put a barn door there. And then that barn door would then push over and then block off like the stairway. So it would give a little privacy upstairs, but then they had like a little kid's playroom under there. And then within that barn door, there's another little door so the kids could kind of go in and out of it. And that yeah. was that was kind of fun. And so and that's a unique um, uh, remember, remember me home feature in, you know. Yeah, we, we just were at a, a, a hotel and in Mexico they had where the, the sliding door, I, you know, we use the word barn door cause that's the style of hardware is barn hard or whatever, but the door, um, when you'd slide it over to, to pr use privacy for the bathroom, it would expose a glass wall that then you could see right into the shower. So it was kind of, it was cool. So it was like, you know, you'd slide it over for, Oh, I want to shut the door for privacy, but then you could see right through the glass, you know, just kind of a fun, you know, yeah, uh, yeah totally. Um, yeah. but the idea there, you know, with, with, I think the idea of it is it's interesting. It's it's almost industrial as much as it is, you know, rustic or barn. Um, but I mean, a lot of my family still put like, you know, three panel, uh, you know, uh, craftsman style doors right on the, the hardware and it, it blends in with the house. Yeah. I found it's this almost... interesting. Oh. Go ahead. I found this interesting. It's from the article insider.com. It says like ship lap, the barn door trend was influenced by home makeover shows. And it really exploded onto the scenes in the 2010s, these barn doors. Is that true? That was really popular on those makeover shows? So I think that's where a lot of the stuff comes from. People see that. And I mean, I'll tell you what, people, the people that have the ability to envision something is very rare. It's very little. So right. you see things on online or whatever. I mean, Pinterest, uh, HDTV, you know, all of those give people their ideas that that they end up doing and yeah 100 percent i think it uh, is because of that and and this the social media sites and stuff i think i would i would even go as far as to say is that hdtv has ruined 50 percent of the houses that are out there because <laughs> people that don't necessarily have the skill set um <laughs> to do work now it's like oh, i'm gonna do just like that guy that i like on tv or the girl i like on tv did and they don't do it quite as nice and they do these crazy colors or they do, you know, and all of a sudden, my goodness, you've got this house with, mm, and they spent a ton of money on it. And you're like in time and you're like, I would have went a lot more neutral. Gosh. Then I went to one the other day, Andy, and I was like, oh my God, these guys did unreal. I mean, they did their own um, brackets on, on these beams and made their own beams out of like this wood they found and i mean it was but then how they stained it and used it and and beat it up with nails and stuff was i mean that's like wow so yeah, that's cool so you saying uh purple is out or the accent walls are out the accent walls correct i think i would i would tend to agree with that um like uh, uh one color. I think people are are really doing like 
let's not play with the paint. Let's play with, you know, the different parts of that. Um, keep everything like one color and because it, it makes it feel bigger. I think, you know, with new construction right now that, uh, you know, with the lumber prices and everything being so high, trying to conserve some space. And when you conserve space, you want to try to make it feel bigger. And so keeping, you know, the walls all one color and going from uh, room to room, uh, uh, does that but then i think you use color and splashes of color whether it's pictures or um you know whatever barn doors things like that to be able to um you know give you that splash of color mm -hmm. I, I i don't know how to advise either way i don't i don't i know when things look nice or uh, you know um not upsetting i should say maybe almost like when you walk into a house and you go oh that's cool or you don't, or you don't notice it at all, and that's a lot of times when you're selling. That's kind of what you want, unless you're trying to accentuate, like for example, an accent wall. Maybe that pulls your attention to whatever you're trying to pull their attention to, and and that that is a great way to do that. So I I'm not against it, but I, I could see where the trend is is softening. How about this trend that's coming, Grand Millennial? So like your old <laughs> grandma's house with these weird colors and wallpaper. Huh. <laughs> I we gotta we gotta move out to California again uh to find this thing because I haven't I haven't really felt this but you do you do see it obviously mm -hmm. in some of the the older homes and it and it does come back some of that retro stuff where the the pink uh floor tile and the pink backsplash and the with the pink tub and the pink toilet you know are in uh somewhat if you kind of play with them and, and put different metals with them and then Maybe you switch the floor and that's white and, and maybe keep the pink on some other stuff. But uh, I don't know about the the wallpaper. I don't know. What do you think, Annie? I mean, I think small doses of it definitely work. You know, I know wallpaper never went away in commercial applications. You know, a lot of office places and things to add texture or, you know, fabric feeling, warm up the, the spaces. Um, I, I don't know why it went away from residential because... I actually see wallpaper as a fun way to, to you know, um, do um, that same thing. I mean, you can have less decorating when you have wallpaper, but you know, it, it's a um, again, it's anytime you follow a trend or you do something that's out of the box, you know, you may be fixing that before you sell. Um, you know, because the some people might come in and go, "Oh my God, we're going to spend forty grand renovating this house because it's all nineteen fifties, you know, old grandma." And, you know, and I, I mean that as a compliment, of course, I mean, because back when I put it in, it was probably nice. But nowadays it's like, oh, God, I don't want to deal with it. But, you know, trends are trends. They, that, that's why they're called trends. Otherwise, it'd be the new normal. Yeah. So here's, the, here's a quote from the, the article. Think floral wallpaper, antique paintings, delicate china, uh, and vintage touches with whimsical flair. <laughs> Sounds pretty pretentious. <laughs> It is. That sounds millennialish. Oh, hey, I speak, didn't say speaking that. Speaking of wallpaper, though, um, peel and stick wallpaper will likely be trendy this year, according to them. I, I think it's cool. I mean, that that little cute bathroom is cute. I, I that doesn't bother me a bit. Yeah, I agree. Gives a little gives a little something. It must be on another wall too, because you see it in the mirror. Um, on the other half. But yeah, no, and that's I that's what I was kind of thinking about that grand millennial thing is if you did it in the little small spaces like that versus that's your decorating style. Mm 
we're seeing that a lot on floors that style of tile yeah yeah that is uh what is oh that's a that's a that's a hood over a stove yeah oh yeah that's a that's a backsplash yeah yeah behind and that that that's another big thing people are accenting with that and i think the other thing is is now if you took that and put that throughout the whole kitchen that's a lot different than um trying to do like that accent because you can switch yep. that and flip that around if you know and th there's nothing wrong if you like that what why not do it you can always change that part if it time it comes time to sell but I if you do a, the whole thing it's a little harder yeah we had good friends of ours that built a real executive level home and they did these handmade tiles that they bought in italy and they were cucina and all these you know like italian phrases and pasta and whatever and they were so excited and they put it in and i'm sitting there at first and i go like yeah i was kind of like oh my gosh and then yeah, over time it. you get used to it and you start to appreciate it and yeah. Because it's your style, um, or it, it reminds you of every time you go in the kitchen. It reminds you of your trip to Italy, or whatever. That that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with that either. Just understand that, you know. Again, a lot of times builders and and existing homes, we neutralize, we you know declutter, and we make things look clean. Because that's what. But that's because we're trying to appeal to the masses. And I think that's what happens when you do a custom home and you do a more expensive custom home. You want it the way you want it. That's why you're doing it. Right. And but I think what people have to realize is that, you know, you might be paying three million for this, but you're probably only going to get two because of the way you customize it, because that's not for everyone. You yeah. know, now someone's going to look at it and say, you know, what, I want a kind of a deal because I kind of got to put up with, you know, these weird little areas that this person did. And I might have to redo them. I'll tell you, we so a friend of ours, uh, parents um, lived over in North Oaks and uh, they had a 14,000 square foot house and just amazing, right? This just unbelievable home. And then you walk into the bathrooms and just like the screensaver here, they had, you know, wallpaper like this and they'd have gold toilets with the lift things on it. And they're like, we just spent almost $4 million renovating this house. And I'm like going, huh? I mean, blew my yeah. mind. And they spent a ton of money doing exactly what we're talking about today, where it's completely different, unique. Um, designers picked every little accent and every little, you know, uh, uh, faucet, you know, valve or whatever. Everything was hand selected, and they probably paid a fortune for it. And I'm walking in there as a, you know, an average Joe, kind of going, "Huh, I would have yeah. did this, you know." But I'm not a, probably at that kind of level. Yeah, you're you're not cultured, Andy. You're not as cultured. I am, I am simple, my friend. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, yeah, I'm good. You know, Andy, you you know a lot of stuff. Just saying. Hey, our last one is uh, green cabinets. Never seen them. Me neither. One of the biggest kitchen trends of the year is green cabinets. Wow, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> green, green treated lumber, or it'd be, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's called natural. Yeah. I still see a ton of people, though, kind of having fun with the the trend of um, having the island um, be a different color. It's, it's painted or um, or would have something else going on. And then the, uh, the the countertop is even a different material. And and what's funny is, like, people come into the model homes when they see that. And some people are like, it looks like you bought that um, island separately from, a, from, like, a remnant store and just stuck it in here. And then other people come in and go, oh, how refreshing, something fun and an accent. And it's like, 
So it's really, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's completely subjective to the person coming in the door, what they think or feel, because some people want their countertops all to match. They want their hardware to match. They want their, you know, uh, everything to pull together. And then other people have fun with it and, uh, and, and follow some of these trends. But I have not yet seen green. I, I've seen blue, which was kind of a shocker to me. But um, that looks pretty good, though. Some of those blues, like, like real super fancy. I get a question, Andy. What do you think this fall is going to bring? Uh, what's going to be the theme? I mean, when we're talking the parade, do, do you see any? Have you guys decided any different? Trying to create trends or um, a, a fun room? You know, the the pantry, the kitchen pantry. Uh, is was kind of a big one and then uh you know the mud room had been one what do you think do you think there's anything out there i've got an idea on one well we i have uh <clears throat> gonna have i think five in the parade in the fall because we're, we're believe it or not we're actually figuring that out now um because you have to, to not, not only put them in the book but that you know plan ahead um we're really pushing this fall the sport courts um i've got two of my models that are big sport court homes um Two of them also are set up with double offices where there's going to be, so mom and dad both yeah. work from home. We we see that so often, Chris. Um, and then, you know, the who knows where the world's going from a safety, from a pandemic, from a health, whatever. So the, the, the sport court or activity center, gym, whatever you want to call it, in the home has, has resurfaced uh, again. It, it kind of was there and then it went away. And then now people are coming back in and, and asking for it uh, quite frequently. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that dual office situation or even three areas, kind of those little work areas, uh, I think that's a that's going to be a big trend, you know, because I think that has really I mean, our world has changed. You know, they, they found out that some of these people are a heck of a lot more productive on their own yep. and they can stay at home. But obviously they need a place to be able to go while they're in the home. So I think that's that's 100 um, percent something that someone can do. What I've um, what we've been I've been seeing and people have been doing is trying to create that whole uh, main floor outdoor spot versus a walkout basement and creating, you know, maybe some lookout windows off off to one side. But that whole backyard is kind of on the same level as your main floor and kind of bringing outside into inside and uh, living on that that main floor. And that's, you know, like Andy just said with the support card that comes and that kind of goes, but we've been having a lot of people want that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Chris. And I, I've seen uh, the, I agree with you a million percent. The, the whole, every developer develops walkout lots because that's what everybody thinks they want. And then when you go back, if you'd actually survey the people that spent the extra 10000 or 15000 to buy the lot, the builder probably charged you, you know, three to $8,000 more for the patio doors and all the whatever in the basement. Now your deck, instead of being at ground level, now your deck is up, you know, almost 10 feet off the ground. Um, and it blocks you know, all the sunlight, blocks all the sunlight that you just put those windows in. Right. And so, you know, you, by the time you're done, and then you ask people, how many times have you gone in and out of that patio door? Unless you have a pool or something, generally it's a couple times a year. And, and, and then, you know, like you're saying, Chris, I like a full basement lot. As long as I can get some light down in the lower level, I, I have no problem with that and allowing, you know, the enjoyability of walking right out your patio door, letting your dog out. You've got patio right there. You could do an outdoor kitchen. You could have, a, you know, a, a screen porch, whatever you want to have out there. And on that level where you're living, you know, putting the stuff where you live is important. I agree. 
quick question. So say I bought a home and I assume I'm going to be living there for the next five to 10 years. Unlike uh, Andy's friend where they put $4 million into remodeling it to make it as perfect for them as possible. Obviously I want to have good resale value in the future, but I also want to make it, you know, homely. So I want to have some, some stuff for my travels. What percentage of the home or what parts of the home should I really customize to make it worth it for those five to 10 years? They're not going to cost me a crap ton to, to have to remodel it to sell it. Boy, I, I think uh, customizing it is just what you said. It might be with furniture and it might be with uh, artwork and, and things like that. Um, and then try to play with the accent part of it. I mean, they'll just, it'll help you later on. I mean, the, the one thing is, is what we're trying to do when we're, when we're showing a house or trying to sell the house is we're trying to sell the house, not who lived in the house. Because um, that's, you know, if, if people are so busy looking at all your little pictures on the wall and who you were versus looking at the fireplace and uh, the center island, you know, we're not, they're not doing the right thing. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take that, that focus away from who lives there to put it on onto the house. And sometimes your furniture can be uh, deceiving for people as well. You know, if it's really nice furniture, it might look like, well, we'll never be able to make this house look like that. And we can't afford the furniture. We're going to have to buy the house. And then the furniture is going to be a lot more money after that. And so, um, or vice versa, if the furniture is not good and you don't know how to decorate, people can't envision. So that's what we're trying to do with them. But I don't, I guess I would spend more money on um, personal stuff that you can move from place to place. Agreed. I think you could do some fun accents where you have, uh, you know, a nice, like, like Chris's office behind him, you can see their shelving and you could have some fun and, and put your travels all over the walls in there and have, you know, the shelving where you put, you know, your sailboats that you sunk and the, uh, what else did you put on? You, you could, you could actually spell the name of your company properly, you know, yeah. who's saying, but, um, you know, it's in a R-Max, it's Remax, but it's. That's a, that's an event I went to, the R-Max event. It was that's huge. It, it yeah. just, nobody got invited except me. Yeah. I like that where you just, you get stuff that you can be portable with it after you move and you can take it all yeah. down. Yeah. Well, you know, back in the old days, that's the way they used to do it. You'd have a the safari room or something in your house and all of your travels from wherever would be in that room. And, you know, you'd go in there and you'd have a cigar and you'd talk about your travels and, you know, it, it's a fun way to do it. And then if you limit it to one room, you, you've got a, uh, you know, I, it, the only reason why I say that is because I literally years ago, 20 years ago, I got a chance to meet the uh, the Jack Link uh, from the beef jerky guy, you know, company and over in his house in uh, Hayward, Wisconsin, um, a two story open, you walk into the Rambler, it was two stories tall and all the beautiful, you know, taxidermy of all the experiences he's had. And a lot of his stuff was, was replicated. So, you know, like they, they, it wasn't real. It was kind of, but it was, it looked like it was real and you know, it was cool. Andy, we have a we have a mutual friend that uh, I think would be a good example of what you could do in that five to ten years is to be able to customize like your garage, and it's almost like your own man cave and kind of get your feel in there. Mr. Stolpus, I've, I've seen his garage many times, and it's uh, it's kind of a culmination of his life, really, um, in in what in what he's created, and I think that I think that's pretty cool, and and I think you can get away with that, you know, even even maybe later on. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, we we actually his his mother passed away last weekend. Oh, I didn't know and, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I 
so we went to the service this week and I just wanted to say to the family it was a fantastic service and lots of great stories were shared of his mother and and that's one of the things I think if if you if you knew this guy that we're talking about he is colorful and he likes the stuff that he likes and he's not apologetic about it and if he likes purple he'll wear all purple or if he likes you know orange he'll put orange shoes to an orange hat to an orange you know uh, golf shirt and he pulls it off and he looks good and of course we make fun of him because we're not smart enough to put the deals together like that but you know uh, he, he's one of those fun, and, and he's got his garage set up where it is his space, where he's got tons of fun neon. He's got his Vikings shrine. He's got his St. Cloud State shrine. He, I, I call them shrines because it's, you know, it, it's kind of fun, but he's got old jerseys on the wall and he just walks out there and he's like, it just all comes together. And it's just, it's a space where you can absorb that. You know, I haven't, I haven't been in the, in that garage though, but does, did he like circle my photo on there on that St. Cloud State picture or not? Yes. Okay, good. I thought he would have. So. Last point on this, I think it's very interesting what you said, um, Chris, about not having the people look at who lives in the house. It seems like when you're selling your own home, you have that ego and you want it to be perfect and look at me and look at this is my home. I created it. But that's exactly the opposite. You, you want to focus on the home and what the next person can make out of it. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And it's and it's true because we're you're trying to sell the dream that that's going to be their home. It's not this this person's home. It wasn't that guy's? It's now it's going to be mine. Well, that, like the, the the million dollar question: Should I take all my personal photos down? And I always say, well, let me ask you a question: Do you want people to buy your house, or do they? You want to let them buy their next house? So pay more if it's their next house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's true. It Otherwise, people sit there the whole time going, "Oh, I know her." Um, wasn't she in soccer with uh, so-and-so, you know, and they try to put it all together. And do you know her mom forgot the treats at one time? And, you know, so there's no way that oven's going to be clean. But that that is the stuff that kind of happens. And yeah. I think you, you know, I like a little touch of it so people can kind of feel like, oh, this, you know, a family. And, and they kind of get the feel of, oh, this is a, a cool kind of neat little thing, but not, I know every activity these guys did for the last 20 years, kind of personal property. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A lot of thinking behind all this. It's pretty interesting. Observing it from a non-agent perspective. Story time. <laughs> the biggest deals you've made or you've seen a client make. Some of the some of the best deals are deals you didn't do, um, <laughs> really, uh, and and holding on to stuff and and selling stuff. And um, I don't know. I I think that's a little um, tough to talk about. Um, I I will. I'll, I'll talk about some deals. I won't say who who they were or anything like that. Whether it's me or or someone else, but. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of money made on the buy. You know, when you're when you're purchasing, is is typically when you do it, and then you have an alternate purpose for that place, and underst or understanding the market uh, more than maybe someone that that doesn't get that market. And um, we had a, a for instance that it was um, a deal that was made um, around a million dollars in two days, three days after closing. They're offered a million three, three hundred thousand dollars more. 
um, for that deal. No, nothing, nothing different except for the fact that um, this person was able to get the deal before it went on the market and the other people didn't, uh, they just, there was a fair deal. They thought it was a great deal, but um, what the marketplace was is there was, there was more out there to be able to get. So that was, uh, that wasn't a bad return pretty, pretty fast. Yeah. You know, I guess I don't, um, when I think about like the big deals that are out there, um, I, I try to have, and not to sound like a commercial, but I try to have every customer win or feel like they're getting value. And, uh, and, and, and a deal is perspective. Like what do you, what is a deal? Like right now, the guys and gals that are trying to, you know, make a quick month bucks on a flip, it's tough. Um, you know, the, the, uh, flipping land deals are probably some of the most lucrative ones I've seen. Um, you know, where there's been their multi-million dollar deals and they make millions of dollars on the deals, um, when they're, when they're selling retail, um, they're risky, but the, the rewards are really, you know, good. Um, the, uh, the consumers that bought three years ago, um, that are trying to sell again right now, it's, it, it's so nice it, because everybody has equity. Um, you know, so that's why I think you're also seeing, you know, we started the show talking about why is there more inventory? And I think a lot of people just can't resist tapping into that equity that they've got sitting there and they want to pay things off or they want to get ahead of the game a little bit. And that's the, the only way they see, uh, to do that. So, you know, a lot of luck's involved with those big deals, kind of like getting a property and also in the neighborhood becomes amazing and it goes for a lot more. Sometimes, I mean, luck, you got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. But I think um, there's some there's some knowledge that goes behind it and some uh, long history. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll go back to Andy's video, but it, it's it's true. I mean, he does know Champlin inside and out. He knows it a heck of a lot better than I do. And uh, he might see a deal that I'm like, that is a piece of junk. I mean, it's horrible, but he's like, no, that's in the neighborhood that's going to have this and that done to it. And and the new park is going to happen. And all of a sudden, that that's, it's a fantastic deal. So there's there's a lot to say about knowing what the heck is happening. Andy referred um, a person over to me uh, to be able to look on, on Prior Lake. Knows that I, I know it, you know, inside and out. And he could have, he could have, um, you know, just say, hey, Chris, tell me this and, and do this for me. But he, he knew what was probably better for the client because I knew that territory and vice versa. So I think that that there's a lot to play into that. And like I said, there is no more important time than to have a good agent than it is right now. I mean, yeah. 31 years of doing it, this is the time because anyone can sell a house. That's Someone said that the other day, said, and I said, yep, you're right. Anyone can sell a house, but not anyone can maximize it in this market. And people aren't telling you the truth because all they want is they, they just want the deal because they know it's going to sell. But you know what? You want to get that client the most money you possibly can. And there's ways in which to do it. it and, uh, you know, it's like, oh, no, you don't have to do anything. That's false. You do have to do stuff. You have to be able to get it ready. You don't have to, but I'm going to tell you, it might cost you 30 grand. You know, do you want to do $5,000 of work and make 30 grand or not? Yeah. No, I think that, you know, if you listen to everything you just said, um, there's an underlying theme there of being a fiduciary. And, you know, yeah. where when you take a look at, you know, what does a real estate agent really do for their client? It's putting the client's interests in front of ours. So that's why we will find an expert and refer somebody out, for example. Um, of course, you'd like the commission, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, the, the idea of um, somebody not getting the right deal or, or making a, a major mistake is 
way outweighs. So I'd rather get three referrals from somebody like that that says, oh, they did it right. They did, you know, they did the, the correct thing for us. Um, you know, same thing when you were, you were talking about some of the, um, when it comes down to like anybody can sell a house. Yeah, but you're not getting a fiduciary. That's somebody that actually puts your best interest first, somebody that's investing into you and your best interests, and then getting you more money for that house is the whole goal of that. And getting you the closing date with the terms, with all of the conditions that you need to make this move smooth. Because the best, the best um, response I always get was when, when the closing's over and they go, that was like boring. It was so easy. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. I don't want you to go through stress. I don't want you to be, you know, freaking out. I, I want you to be, that was smooth and easy and painless and we got everything we wanted. And yeah. I know we hit on this a little bit at the start, but with the high lumber prices, why is new construction so popular still? Hey, Nick, go ahead and make that uh, your your thing bigger. I want to see that little thing. I mean, we obviously know, yeah, it's gotten uh, much more expensive, but I, I I just heard from someone that uh, lumber's been taking a little, uh, little rebound and getting better. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I was told. Yeah, and, but everybody uh, else is on the bandwagon too. It's not just lumber anymore. Now we're starting to get... You know, electricians, plumbers, um, adhesive companies, carpet companies, everybody's trying to take advantage of this market jumping up like it is. And I, I just, I got to be honest with you, I, that's where, you know, when the market turns on all of us and the people that are, no, don't take this the wrong way, people that are supplying us, when you're being a greedy pig, it, you don't feel sorry for them when they go out of business or when they, when they, they turn around and they've gotten so greedy um, and trying to take full advantage of the market. That, you know, I mean, and then it gets to the point of where the market turns on them and nobody's buying anything and, and now they're all laid off again. So, you know, mm -hmm. the, the thing is, is that moderation is the key to success in all industries and hyperinflation screws up everything. And even with good interest rates and everything else, this market is, is heading for some kind of an uncomfortable change because it has to. It can't keep going. Um, you know, either and as rates go up, prices will have to soften because, you know, if you've got... Um, Inflation up here trending right at, at six to ten percent a year on some of these hell in, in new construction it's it's hundred percent in one year, you know, with, with that commodity. And that, I don't care what anybody says, that's part of inflation. And even if they don't factor it in the whatever, but so you've got that going on. And then jobs, you're getting a three percent, four percent raise a year. You're not keeping up with inflation. You're actually getting the point of where you're getting less spending power or less, less um, you know, buying power. So what'll happen is eventually. If houses keep going up, 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 and, and all of a sudden interest rates start going up, you're losing your buying power. And, and it will eventually the pool gets smaller and smaller on those high-end houses. And so eventually it'll get to the point where people just can't afford to buy a house or the house that they want. And so then they don't, you know? Yeah, until people take their ball and go home. Right. Um, these people are just going to keep doing it. And then once they stop, and what you're saying is that you're kind of seeing some people just saying, you know what? No, hold on. Wait. I mean, we've got someone that was in design process and we're just, we're waiting it out. They're waiting it out. We're watching the market and seeing what it's doing. And then we're going to lock in because it's a pretty substantial house and they don't have to be in right away, but we're waiting to see uh, if it comes out of it. And so uh, that's, well, it's, it is interesting. But the suppliers aren't going to feel this until the fall. And what will happen is then they're going to have about a six month lag because everything's getting ordered right up until about this month. And right now we're starting, we, we've dropped about 75% on the new people coming in the models and writing offers and writing, it, it's dropped that much in, in the last 30 days. So we're, I mean, I'm ahead of the trend here, or hopefully I'm not, but I, 
Um, it's in, I'm not seeing the people coming in and they're not there. Uh, there still are people out there. There's still things selling, but it's nowhere near at the fury that it was during like the March and April months. Um, and, and, and that, you know, can be seasonal again, but it, it, right. uh, hopefully it's not the trend. Right. Let's get into our term of the day. I'd like it, you guys to explain it to me. Like I'm a total rookie. I have no idea what I'm talking about or if I was a client. It's closing cost. Okay. Closing costs are uh, things that you need to be able to pay other people, title companies, mortgage companies, um, real estate companies, uh, the expenses. And those become in the form of closing costs. We hear it a lot with uh, uh, getting a mortgage. But there's closing costs regardless. Even if you pay cash, you have you still have title fees. There's still uh, real estate uh, expenses, and um, I, I don't know. I think I when I when I think of closing costs, I think about you know um, purchasers trying to get sellers to pay their closing costs for them, and uh, you know it just doesn't happen much anymore at all. It's, it's very rare. But that was a big thing in the market that you know people wanted to essentially finance their closing costs. And and what they do is they say, you know what, rather than giving you a hundred thousand, I'll give you ninety-one thousand and you pay nine thousand of my closing costs. And then you're essentially you're financing your closing costs. Well and you know that the closing costs in general, the the title person that prepares all the documents has to get paid. The you know the lender that provides the the money to you uh, gets paid. Um, the real estate agents will get paid the um there's deed tax there's sometimes mortgage registration tax there's courier fees there's um conservation fees there's you know it it closing costs so when you think hey i, I i'm getting a loan and it has no closing costs on it it still costs something to close it so what they have to do is if you want no closing costs meaning that none of those fees are shown to you they have to bury it into the percentage of the interest and so instead of paying maybe three they might pay 3.1 but over the term of that, your let's say your one percent that you were paying up front um, for that loan, so three hundred thousand dollar loan, three thousand, um, three and a, usually one and a quarter is a good number. I've been seeing kind of an average, so maybe four thousand. And versus paying a higher interest payment over years, it costs you let's say eighteen twenty thousand dollars over the course of the loan. Yeah. So it just depends. It's 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 a matter of um, it. What is your perception? Um, do you live in your payment or do you live in your price? Because if you live in a payment like 99% of most people do, because um, how much does it cost to live in this cool place? It's like thinking like a renter almost. That's why people don't care what they pay for the houses. The only time they care what they pay for houses is when they go to sell and then they realize the market has changed. And it's like buying a stock and now they can't sell it at the same price, but they got to use the stock. That's the advantage of a house. You actually get to use, it's tangible, you get to use it. Um, so what, what's that worth to you? True. Are there any books that blew your mind in real estate or gave you like a good step ahead of people that you would recommend others to read? You know, I don't have a, a per se a book, but um, there's a couple of guys that, you know, Chris and I on our, our, our show a couple of years ago had a, a coach that I really admire, Brian Buffini. Um, and the guy's a no, you know, he's a very common sense, practical Take care of your customers. Uh, make sure that, you know, when your customers are happy is when you ask them for new business. Um, because it is a timing thing for us, you know. I think that in our industry is that you can have a 1,000 people that you know, 
And how many of those people per year are moving? You know, how many of those people are, you know, um, uh, it, it, it's not much. So it's a timing thing for us as agents. So people don't read or absorb our stuff and tell, and that's kind of what he taught us is that, and when you do give information to people, make sure it's a value. Don't just bug them to bug them, give them stuff of value. But I would say the other, the other thing that I, um, the six habits of highly effective people by Stephen Coveney, um, back in the day was one of my favorite books. Um, just basically the concept of time management and being accountable to the, to your, your time. You have the same amount of time that the president of the United States has per day. What are you going to do with your time? What do they do with theirs? And, you know, it, it, you do have, um, or, or the other concept is, what are you going to give up when you decide to add something to your schedule? So now you're sitting there and you say, yep, I'm going to work out every day. Well, what are you going to give up to work out every day? You have to give up something, you know? I, I love anything of, of Scott Adams. And then another book that I read that, I mean, it was a simple little read, but it was called One Minute Manager. And I thought that one to me was very, um, that was a, just a big eye opener. And it's basically just getting to the point and taking care of it and then moving on and not spending so much time trying to manage people because it's pretty much impossible in which to do. So you give them their duties. This is what it is. This is the expectations. Boom, move on. What do you guys got coming up? Fun stuff. I got one, a, a new one coming up on the lake this weekend. I don't know what these these crazy MLS rules are, though. I can't you can't talk, you speak, or uh, filter anything out. But there's a new listing coming on, uh, and I would guess it would be around 1.2 million. And uh, I think it would be a walkout rambler on uh, level lake, gradual sloping, 140 feet of lakeshore. Oh, nice. It's good. It's and totally remodeled in 2016. Other than that, I can't tell you really any information on it. I've got, uh, actually, I've got a good um, push of affordable housing coming on right now. I've got a, a one coming in Anoka that's going to be in the low 200s. I've got a, a low 200s in Dayton. Um, I've got a, a condo coming in Crystal that's going to be around 140. Um, I've got uh, I've got a ton of stuff coming. Couple of big executive homes too. One in uh, Dayton, or excuse me, one in uh, Brooklyn Park, one in Blaine. Uh, uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you Andy's uh, weekend. It's gonna be fast, furious. He's gonna be answering a million different phone calls, and then he's gonna be sifting through like 27 offers, and then get it, and then get through the inspection. It's gonna be pure heck. And I would say a different word, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be nuts so for him. Poor guy. Well, well, people always want to list before the weekend, and I'm like, this is the one weekend I wish they wouldn't. Yeah. You know, like, uh, give me, give me three days off. But it, it is what it is. You know, the yeah, side of my brain says, take care of your customer first, and then I'll take a couple of days off in the middle of the week. Yeah, and I know we're ending up, but I mean that is a big thing. We held off on two other listings this weekend because of Memorial Weekend. Uh, we thought with you know traffic on the lake and stuff that we would go with that one, but uh, it is it's, it's interesting because you you can lose out and it could cost you money if you don't do it right. So just remember, every Thursday 8 a.m. we are live. If you missed the the video version, you can always rewatch it on Facebook. We also stream audio on Spotify itunes and a bunch more platforms check out our anchor page it's always linked and for those that are still here i'll give you the treat one more time hey this is andy prasky coming from my office in champlin minnesota not only am i a resident and big fan of champlin but i'm also your local realtor i just got a text from another person moving into champlin right now 
What timing? Just kidding. Anyway, hey, thinking about moving to Champlin, give me a call. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.